This episode is brought to you by Delta Airlines. I recently flew Delta, I want to say about a week ago now, and I was coming back home from being in Atlanta for a speaking engagement, and Delta just gave me such a wonderful experience. And it really was the icing on the cake of just such an amazing weekend that I had. Some of the things that I loved particularly about my Delta airline experience was first, the amazing customer service. Everyone there was so kind, so welcoming, so present, so attentive. And a small thing, but was big to me, was just something simple as having headphones so that I can enjoy more than a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment. I mean, my flight wasn't that long, but I got to catch up on a movie, some shows, just things I don't have time to do usually at home. I was able to enjoy that in the air. Delta also offers fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi, and it's available for SkyMiles members. Being able to access the Wi-Fi, I was able to order some groceries and just get a head start on my week. It was a great end to my experience and ushered me right back in to be at home. So even if you're not home yet, Delta Airlines helps you feel a little bit like it. Delta Airlines believes that you should feel at home, even if you're 30,000 feet above it. Learn more at Delta.com. This episode is brought to you by Happy Mammoth. Listen, over the last weekend, I went to a family reunion. And unfortunately, that fell on that particular time of the month that all of the women know what I'm talking about. So I had an attitude I wanted to eat everything, and I was in the South, which means I wanted to eat everything that was terrible for me. And overall, I just wasn't feeling it. I had a great time, just wasn't feeling like myself. Now it's easier to manage PMS with estro control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the show code BLESSED at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code BLESSED for 15% off today. You are listening to Blessed and Bossed Up, presented by Anchored Media, an entrepreneurship podcast for Christians all about how to make God the CEO of your business. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, but well-equipped to live and build your destiny his way. Interview with Tiffany Gillespie, all about the six-figure setup. A ton of entrepreneurs market around the whole idea of six-figure this, six-figure that. A lot of business owners, we get into business and that becomes our goal. We want to have this six-figure business. It is a great goal and a great accomplishment, but what does that really mean? And I love having this conversation with Tiffany. She is a business coach. She is getting ready to launch her podcast called The Six Figure Setup. And I love talking to her about this because if you guys know, I'm an entrepreneur who has a multi-six-figure business and making six figures was once, once a lofty goal for me as well. And now being 
on the other side of that income milestone. There's a lot of things I got to say about it. And Tiffany being a business coach and someone who was an expert in this area was the perfect one to talk to about it, especially with her show coming out soon, The Six Figure Setup. Now, I did this interview on video, fresh off a move, it was getting my hair done literally after the interview was over. So your girl was very basic. Don't go in there expecting any type of glam from me. Tiffany showed up looking awesome. Me, on the other hand, basic. So don't judge me. But the video is available on my YouTube channel. I'll link it in the uh, description so that you guys could see the full thing. But in the meantime, here is part one to my interview with Tiffany all about the six-figure setup. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Blessed Embossed Up podcast. I am here with a friend to the show, Miss Tiffany Gillespie. Hey girl. Hey. hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing so good. So excited and a little bit nervous about a lot of things going on, but I'm good. Nerves are good. That means that you're not in control. So nerves are good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for those of you guys who don't know Tiffany, I'm going to link our episode that we did. I think it was in 2020 when yes. we talked about um, ministry and marketplace and we got to learn about you and your background um, in business and all of that stuff. So I want you guys to go back to listen to that episode because for this episode in particular, we're going to be talking about six figures. Now, this is something like it's so funny because you see this everywhere, like six figures, six figures. And it's so funny because, you know, we live in, well, no, you moved down south, but I live <laughs> in the DMV area. Mm -hmm. And six figures here is not six figures everywhere. It's okay? not the same, sis. We can talk about it now. We can talk about it. It's not the same. Is not the same. Like six figures is kind of normal around here because everybody works for the government. So, you know, it is what it is. But when I became an entrepreneur, that was a huge goal for me too. Um, and that's just something that we just see a lot is everybody wants to make six figures. And it was so funny because when I first hit that goal, I was like, that really wasn't that hard. Like, why did I make it such a an idol for lack of a better word, trying to reach yeah. that goal. And so with you being a business coach, I wanted to talk about that um, a little yeah. bit. Why is such a big goal? Of course, how people can get there because we don't want to negate the fact that it's still an accomplishment. Um, yeah. But let's just start with what is up with this six figure goal and is it really attainable? Yeah. So <laughs> I always like to preface conversations like this with the fact that, you know, we've been in business. Um, I know for me, it's been about 10 years and I think it's been about the same for you. Um, oh, pretty much way like less. way less. What? I became an entrepreneur in 2015 um, and Anchor Media in 2019. Yeah, I remember when Anchored Media started. I remember that very vividly because at that point we had already known each other for a few years. So, um, yeah, wow. So you achieved. Yeah, that's that's a great achievement. Um, and we'll talk about that as well. Just everybody's six-figure story is different. Um, it took me longer to achieve hitting that six-figure goal than you've even been in business. <laughs> like, so uh, again, I think everybody's story is different and that's a, that's a, that's a really important thing. But I think with the rise of social media, that a lot more people began to be exposed to this idea of 
six figures is attainable for me. Now, how do I get there? It's the same thing like with the American dream. Once somebody realized that it was attainable for them, every, now everybody is like going after that, right? We want the, and I won't say that everybody wants it, but those who do, they want the big, beautiful house, the family with at least two kids. You know what I'm saying? Like we all want this, this dream. So I think um, the, really what I think it has morphed into is low-key like an obsession with it and you mentioned like making it an idol and I know we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later but that's what's really up with it is that it became a goal that was not exclusive to a certain group of people which is again we can talk about this some more later um but everybody started sharing their journey um and, and now you know people want it of course um, the journey to get there is different for everyone. And I think that you just have to be really patient with your process. And I love that even in this conversation, we will be able to talk about two different experiences in terms of time that it took to reach that goal um, and, and how to maintain it. And I would just say that you attain six figures through things that people don't often want to hear and that's consistency and discipline had I been more consistent and disciplined sooner in my journey and not wavered like I did because there was a period around like your five or six where I really kind of wavered in my consistency and discipline then I probably would have you know gotten there much faster but again I'll pull back Mm -hmm. and we'll come back to that yeah, no, I, I love that you touched on consistency and discipline. And I think you you touched on that too with the last interview that we did. How are people able to tap into that consistency and that discipline to reach their income goals? Because I mean, it can be, I, I personally feel that the same characteristics that you build to get to six figures is the same ones that you're going to use to get to seven. The money is different, but the discipline, the consistency, the drive, the the grit, the mindset, the commitment, all of that are the same things and they're applicable. So even if you're trying to get from one to two, two to three, like wherever your journey is, these things are applicable across the board. But I think one thing that also is consistent across the board that holds people back is that impatience especially seeing everybody else who seemingly is doing well. Like I was on, as a consumer, my favorite platform is TikTok. I was okay. sitting cackle at TikToks <laughs> all day. And I I love the app. I found out new restaurants I didn't know existed, new recipes. Mm-hmm. Like I just be only having a good time. But I remember I saw like a comment. Somebody was like, I guess I'm just the last broke one left. Because you see <laughs> all the <laughs> You see all of these beautiful apartments with the greeneries and all this. Stuff. Like, so I guess everybody got money except for me. <laughs> so that's so real. I know, right? <laughs> so how is somebody able to push past those emotions where it does seem like everybody else is getting to these goals before them, before you, in order mm-hmm. to be, you know, to maintain that consistency? Yeah, it's interesting because I just recorded like a little video on this earlier. It's going to be promo um, for a a project that we're working on. But um, minding your business, (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, mm, um, and I know it can seem like such a trivial thing, but 
focusing on the business that pays you. And I know it's like cliche and we kind of laugh about it, but no, really focusing on what pays you, which is yeah. a conversation about revenue producing activities where, you know, are, where's your time and effort and energy going that if we were to focus on that again, when I think about that period that I hit like around five or year five or six, Honestly, I was focused on building other people's businesses and I did so very well, but I wasn't focused on my business. So minding the business that pays you um, and remembering to be grateful and be present in your journey. I think about this a lot when I think about my 20s in general and because I started my business early 20s and spent most of, I mean, most of the years that I have in business were in my 20s at this point. So being uh, one of the things I wish in, that I had done in general, but definitely as a business owner was to be more present in my journey and to appreciate my journey to develop a good relationship with my business. It's like a baby, like you got to nurture it, care for it. It grows. It needs different things at different stages. And instead of trying to make my five-year-old business be a 20-year-old business, just be present with the five-year-old because what a 20-year-old and a five-year-old needs is completely different. So um, that I think that, that we allow comparison really to steal our joy. And then also you don't know what people are like really going through. Like I take social media as a source of inspiration for as much as it's a source for inspiration. Like that's mm -hmm. it. Right. I don't put too much in people um, because we were fickle. We're human. We make mistakes. We're going to mess up like all of those things. So I just think that being present, in your journey and focusing on revenue producing activities and building your own business. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, that when you do those things that you will, um, one, get to, get to your goal faster, but also it helps you to maintain that discipline and consistency. That's good. That's good. That's something I, I believe that maybe within the last year, and a half, I really have focused in on my business because I, I tell like, you know, the team and, and even BJ were talking like, I'm trying to build a billion dollar media conglomerate. And it took years for God to even, for me to even say that out my mouth because I was like, oh, whoa, back up. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not trying to do that. But now like, I'm confident in what the vision is and in being confident in what the vision is, all of that other stuff is less important because it like it I'm I'm so hyper focused on what I'm doing and I know what I'm doing is so different than what anybody mm -hmm. else that I'm seeing is doing like that stuff it doesn't even phase me at that point and then even for anybody that's listening no matter what you're building you're somebody else is not building the exact same thing that you're doing they're not yep. doing it the way that God has called you to do it so no matter what you're seeing being hyper focused on what God has you doing is so 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 important because you're able to eliminate a lot of the noise a lot of times mm -hmm. the enemy don't even have to say anything to us because we noisy our lives up enough by paying attention to what everybody else is doing and I'm not going to assist him in keeping me held back you know what I'm saying listen like, <laughs> I can't do that so <laughs> so good you, you said something I thought was so key you were saying um 
how as business owners, it's important to identify your revenue generating activities because six figures is a dollar amount. It's an income. Yep. And in order to yep. multiply your income and make more money, you need to know where it's coming from. You need to know yep. where it's being wasted, all of the yep. things. So for somebody who was early on, how are they in, because I see this a lot, right? People start the businesses and they're like, okay, let me start posting on social media and tell people I do this thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got a couple of dollars coming in. So let me keep posting or let me do set up shop here, set up shop there. It's a lot of shooting in the dark and there's mm -hmm. not a lot of time being spent taking a step back and looking to see what's going on. And we did the last couple of weeks, I did an episode on um, executive planning for the new year. And I was yeah. saying that if you're in December and you're planning for the next year, you are late. And yeah. <laughs> It's way more than vision boards and, you know, setting these goals. It's about really taking a step back from your company for a second and being the executive and looking to see what's going on so that you can be a better steward of what's happening. And you can also identify where your money is coming from, multiply mm -hmm. your efforts and just make strategic decisions based on the data that's in front of you. Um, yep. But for people who are starting out, though, how can they take a step back so they can identify these revenue generating activities. Yeah. Um, I would say, so I, I want to give this advice, not to people, not only to people who are just now starting out, but quite honestly, I have a lot of conversations with CEOs who never took this step in the beginning. Wow. And now at year five, six, seven, eight, some people a little bit older um, in, ter in terms of uh, business ownership, that they're having to take a step back and say, I did just shoot in the dark, right? I, I just kind of, mm -hmm. you know, put things out there, but I'm realizing that either our growth is stifled or, you know, our momentum is dying, all of those things. So I um, always like to tell people, you know, when they're first starting out or if you're just trying to unlearn and relearn new things and, to adjust that when it comes to revenue producing activities, you really want to go with the data. And I don't think that that's a conversation that we talk enough about in like the trendy entrepreneurship side of things. Um, I don't really see people showing a lot of data. The one person who I remember um, who I, I think is probably a good example of this is Cece, the six-figure chick. I feel mm. like I remember her showing like lots of screenshots of like data and like how she was reading it and how she was processing it and understanding it and all of those things. But, um, you know, if there is someone else out there, please forgive me. Maybe I just don't follow them. But um, in any event, I think focusing on the data is what is really going to help you focus on revenue producing activities because, a lot of times people will think that um, their business is just coming from one source when if you have not looked at the numbers, you may not realize that your your customers or clients are actually coming from your website, for example. I just had a um, consulting session with a client not too long ago, and she was telling me that she realized it kind of was like the same thing. She thought all her business was coming from social media. And one day she looked at the numbers and realized it was actually coming through her website. And she's like, oh my goodness, I need to fix my website. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> this is a good portion of business that's coming through here. And her business, when she fixed her website, the percentage of 
business and revenue that was coming through the website actually increased by about three and a half times. So it, it, it mm. tripled um, and it actually became the bulk of her revenue just by fixing her website. And that only happened because she was looking at the numbers. So, um, uh, so that, I think that's looking at the data and then in terms of actual activities, when you are a founder, when you start something, you do everything you have to, I, I would recommend that people set a benchmark almost, or like a, um, a goal at when they are going to shift out of founder mode into growth mode, CEO mode, scaling mode. There is something beautiful and important about being a founder and being in that mindset. But at some point you have to shift from working in your business to working on your business. You have to be the CEO of the company and not just say that you are. So when you are a CEO, you are managing people and not projects. So one, if you don't have people to manage, that again, and a lot of people don't want to have that conversation. Like I, when I learned that I stopped calling myself a CEO for a season because I wasn't managing people. I was still managing projects, but again, people don't really want to have that conversation. Um, so when I began to manage people consistently, I started mm -hmm. using the CEO title again. Um, when I was not, I would just use the term like owner or founder or something else other than CEO. But if you want to mm -hmm. get to that point, you have to shift from managing projects to managing people who manage your projects for you. Um, mm -hmm. And again, when you shift, you focus on the money. That is what you are the executive decision maker. You are the carrier of the vision. You are the driver of the vision. You are the one who makes sure that everything we do, if, when you write down your vision or your mission statement, a lot of times there may be like three to five points in it. If the task that you are doing, you measure everything against that vision and that mission, against mm -hmm. those goals. If somebody comes and says, or even if you say to yourself, I have this idea and I want to do it, does it lead to one of these things on this paper? Does it lead to money? If not, then no. All of the things on the paper should lead to money and impact. That's mm -hmm. what it should lead to, right? the vision and the mission. So if it's everything is leading to the mission and the vision, then the money is going to automatically come from it. So... I'll stop there. No, but that's good though. So for that person who did just dive right into the deep end of entrepreneurship, where do they start to take a step back to start developing that vision and that strategic plan? Yeah. So in terms of developing the vision, I think most people, most CEOs or founders, business owners, whatever you call yourself, they actually know the vision. A lot of them just have not written it down. They also don't have it in a place where they see it consistently. So they lose sight of the vision, literally and like figuratively. You mm -hmm. aren't seeing it every day. You kind of wrote it down when you started five years later. You can't even remember the vision because you don't look at it anymore. Um, so I would recommend writing it down, putting it in a place where you can see it. And then identify who you need in order to execute that vision. And I can talk about this from a spiritual perspective. Everybody loves Habakkuk 2 and 3, write the vision and make it plain. Everybody loves that piece. Mm -hmm. Nobody reads the next verse yeah. that said so that the heralds or the people can take it and run with it, right? Nobody ever wants to talk about that part. Uh -huh. So when we are 
at our vision and we are taking a step back, you want to identify the pieces, like who do you need in order to execute that vision? Who are the heralds? Who are the people that are going to run with this? And think about it at a high level. It doesn't have to be... um, like, we know that if you have a physical space, you're going to need a cleaning team, right? But you're not in your physical space yet. Let's think about who are the people that we need to put in place so that we can have a physical space one day and have need for a janitorial team. So you mm-hmm. want to think about it at that high level. Um, and then you want to think about what are the the responsibilities, the roles and responsibilities assigned to those individuals. Again, this gives this big picture and helps you to see that it's not all about about you. It's not centered around you if you're going to grow, if you're going to scale. So take a step back, write that vision down. Who are the, what do they need to do so that everything connects back to the vision? And then the next thing, and the last thing that I will say is figuring out how to move yourself out of the way so that you are not the stop point or the bottleneck in your business in, in executing that larger vision. That is so good. That is so, so good. And I think I've realized the importance of, like, I got to a point this year where it was a lot. And I say, I was, I I found myself creating like a bunch of things and even like trying to create passive income. And I called it passive ish because it still required for me to show up all the time. And it was like, whenever it was something to sell, everybody was like, okay, Tatum, this is the list of lives that you need to do and do this and do that and do this. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not how this is supposed to go. It's yeah. not supposed to be me having to do everything. It's it's draining. It's mm-hmm. mentally draining to have the executive head on and managing the high level vision and the people and everything you talked about and then have to step into the talent role and be able to turn mm-hmm. it on to do this. Like it's exhausting. And that's it's yeah. we're not going to get to where we need to go by operating in that way. So we need yeah. to, and this is conversations I've had with like my team, we need to approach branding and marketing in a way to where it is not centered around me. And so yeah. even with like, you know, the podcast stuff, even with like blessed and boss stuff, you don't see any pictures of me on our pages unless it's like an audiogram or something because it's my voice, but there's no, because any, I want anybody else can hop to be able to get on this platform and to yeah. speak. Cause it's, yeah. if it's a God centered platform, God don't only talk through me. Anybody Listen. else should be able to step in and I can step out and it, yeah. the mission still go forward because it's not about me. And yeah. so, um, that, I think that mindset shift is huge because I, I think when we're building these businesses and we hop into the deep end, we dig the ditch for ourselves because we're not yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. It's okay. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because that's what we do, especially as black women. That is what we do. Mm-hmm. We know how Super to show women, up, bro. how to make things happen. We know how to do it, but we mm-hmm. all, as executives and as CEOs, we have to get better with building the foundation to, uh, that is going to hold and sustain this vision yeah. that we have. So I'm so glad that you touched on that. Something that you said earlier that I want to go back to is you said that you spent a lot of time building other people's businesses to where you weren't building your own. And I think that's so real in such a place that a lot of service-based businesses get to. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that and kind of what that shift was like? 
Yeah. So I also, you know, I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial. <laughs> um, but, you know, listen, tell truth, shame the devil. Um, we love being the help. Like, low key. We love falling into the role of, oh, I'm just helping out this person or, oh, I'm going to help build their vision or, oh, I'm going to help do this. Or, oh, I'm going to help do that. And I am sick of black women volunteering to be the help for somebody else's vision. Like we have got to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are areas and ways where God will call us to serve others. But quite honestly, we use it as an excuse and as a crutch to hide behind someone else's vision, someone else's brand, so that we don't have to put ourselves at the forefront. We don't have to be the ones, you know, putting ourselves on the line. Um, And again, I think it's not, I'm speaking to, you know, women of color, um, but I think, you know, all women can probably identify with that in some way, shape or form. Um, And I I just want us to stop doing that. And that's what I was doing during those years was it was more comfortable for me to be the help. And I, again, I think it's something so beautiful about our resilience and our strength and our, Mm -hmm. all of these things about, you know, uh, women, but we can step out of that. It's okay to step out of that. You serve in your home, you serve in your church, you serve in your community. You don't have to serve in somebody else's business and put your business on the back burner in Mm -hmm. order to receive some, like, I don't know what reward we think that we're getting by doing that. And that's what I was doing during those years was I was afraid. Um, It's so interesting because I think about this actually with my pricing. So it's like the dumbest thing to me now. I swear it's so dumb to me, (laughs) but I was in a, you know, different place back then. I actually decreased my consulting prices like maybe two years after I started my consulting firm instead of growing with my audience going where my audience was I shrunk back to meet you know the people that really weren't even my target audience Mm -hmm. and and again that's a whole thing that we can you know unpack in its own conversation but I found it easier and more comfortable and more secure to build someone else's vision instead of focusing on building my own. Um, So I I would say, you know, to the, the women who are watching this or listening to it, really evaluate if you have fallen into the role of being, you know, and I'm using a term that is jarring because I want you to be jarred. There's a reason why I'm using the term the help instead of, you know, other terms, because I want you to be jarred out of your comfortable place. I want you to be offended to action, right? I want you to be like, I need to help. Good. Go build your own business. Go, go do what God called you to do. Right. Um, and Mm -hmm. to do so, you know, in, in excellence, Um, so yeah, I'll get off of that soapbox, but that's what I was doing during that time. And like I said, you can avoid it by being honest with yourself, having accountability and really keeping yourself out of a place of fear, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, uh, foolishness, like decreasing your prices, even though your business is getting older and growing, um, and, and just staying consistent in what, you know, you've been called to do. That's good. That's good. And I think a lot, uh, another aspect to being the help as well is feeling like making less 
sometimes or feeling or let me make sure I phrase this correctly. I, f- I believe women of faith specifically have this complex to where we feel like making less makes us more holy. And it's a lie from the pit of hell, baby. <laughs> the Bible say the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. So uh, I'm supposed to be poor aware, you know, so it, I believe it's uh, also that mindset shift even around money. Because if you don't believe that you can be wealthy and make six, seven, eight, nine to how many, however many figures you want, if you don't believe that you can make that, then you're going to subconsciously start giving it away in some type of way, whether it's frivolous spending or doing what, giving it to whoever, taking care of people yeah. you don't need to be taken care of, all of the things. Um, but can you talk a little bit about? that mindset shift though with the clients that you've worked with who are trying to build these six-figure businesses what have been some of those money mindset or just mindset shifts in general that they've had to make absolutely so the first thing I would say is language that the way that we speak to ourselves is excuse me it's horrible like we we I think What I've been noticing lately, and this is how I want to phrase it, what I've been noticing lately, and especially for women of faith, kingdom-minded women, is that we subscribe to and ascribe to ourselves the things that the world says about what we deserve. And Mm -hmm. what that looks like is we begin to tell ourselves like, things like all creatives have anxiety. So when you're anxious and you're experiencing and you're like, oh, well, I'm a creative. That's just what creatives go through. Mm. There's nowhere. Why why did you have to be anxious? And and again, that is a a worldly thing. We serve the creator. Do you think our creator was anxious when he was like making you or, you know, the world or, you know, the flowers, the trees, the whatever? No. Um, So when you realize like, that, uh, and again, that, those are things that we put on ourselves. We call ourselves things and we say things about ourselves and about our businesses. And we put these generalizations, these stereotypes onto ourselves. And that is one of the first things that I think that has to change in order to change your mindset about anything so that you can be in a place to believe that you deserve abundance. Um, you know, when I hear people say, like doing some specific thing in business is hard, it may be, but I pray for ease of that. I pray that my days are easy. And that is a recent place, like probably within like the past two or three years that I've gotten into where in the morning, I'm like, Hey God, day surrendered to you. Can you make this easy for me today? Can -hmm. you give me ease of access? Because I've done enough hard days. I've done enough struggle days with almost 10 years in, like I I have more than enough struggle days and hard days and hard moments to share with the world. I'd actually like a little bit of ease, Um, Mm -hmm. but I didn't believe that I deserve that because everybody around me just said business ownership is hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It challenges you. And this is what I have found to be true for my journey is that business ownership has challenged me to be a better person and a better leader. That's what's been hard is mm-hmm. dying to myself 
every day, unlearning, undoing all of the toxic things that I had believed or learned or uh, subscribed to or ascribed to myself. So unlearning those things, like, you know, um, being a nicer person, like you guys, if you want to have a team, you can still be firm, fair, and consistent um, without being nasty to people. Uh, the importance of being happy. When I got happier and when I really started living in joy, everybody around me was impacted by that in a positive way. So those have been, you know, the hard things, managing people with patience and grace. It's not hard to manage people, but the mm -hmm. world does not manage with patience and grace. So when you have to manage with patience and grace, you're like, oh my God, this is so hard. Like, why don't they listen? Why don't they do this? Da -da -da -da. And it's mm -hmm. just like, well, actually, you're the one learning to be more gracious and, and more patient, more firm, more fair, more consistent uh, to have better systems in place so you can stop hiring people who don't align with the vision and mission of your company who shouldn't be on your team. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the hard things that we go through. So I think really changing your language and the way that you speak about yourself, your business, your experiences. Um, those things will really shift the way that you look at and view money and stop listening to things that tell you that you are not deserving of financial abundance and start feeding yourself those things that tell you and affirm rather because they're not telling you it's already written. So you just need a, a affirmation of what is already true. And that's that you are deserving of abundance, financial abundance specifically. I love that. And that, and then also not letting the things that are supposed to inspire you trigger you and send you back into feeling like, when is it going to be my time and all of these things. And so yep. the hardest part about entrepreneurship is managing yourself. And that's the hardest part about doing it. God's way as well is managing yourself. That's the hardest part for me. Yes, I have to constantly be like, okay, take a step back. Tatum, you tripping. It's, this is you. <laughs> this is you. So get yourself together and then we're going to go back and we're going to do this the way that we need to do it. Like I have to constantly pull, like I call it doing a pull up on myself. Like, hey, sis, get it together. <laughs> like relax, whatever yeah. it is that's going on. Like I have to constantly keep myself in check. Everything else mm -hmm. I feel like can be figured out, but the <laughs> keeping me in check. It's That's the, the hard part. Hardest part. And I even like um, this year, I I work a lot less as far as like being directly behind the computer on like the day-to-day -day stuff. And I spend so much time being glued to my computer day in and day out. I feel like now something I had to like just really get together within myself is if I'm not in front of the computer for hours on end, I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Oh, I'm upset at the end of the day. Like I didn't do enough today or I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I'm like, why do I feel like I got to be a zombie behind yeah. my computer to yeah. feel productive? And I had to like really analyze that thought so that I can get mm. myself out of that thinking. And so it really looked like me talking to myself, but like, yeah. why do I think that? Why, why is it that I feel unaccomplished because I wasn't at the computer all day? Like Tatum, mm. do you not want to grow? Didn't you yeah. ask to be in a position where you can go and make a PB&J for your son midday and go to the store and do whatever you want? Like, this is what you wanted. So why is what you wanted yeah. all of a sudden 
not fulfilling for you. Mm. It's not that. It's you. Like, it's your perception of what productivity is. And so that was just me just really thinking about what I'm thinking about so that I could get myself together to truly enjoy the things. This is getting good, but that's it for part one of my interview with Tiffany. Make sure that you guys are subscribed to my YouTube channel where you can see the full video and I'll even include the link to it in the description. We had like some technical difficulties halfway through. So you guys will get to just see the behind the scenes and the stuff that gets edited out before it makes the actual podcast. But you can watch it right now in full on my YouTube channel, Tatum Tamia, and I'll link the exact video so you don't have to look too hard for it. I'll link the exact video here in the show notes. I love you guys and I will talk to you in a few days.